Welcome to the Alpha Pack Podcast. When you hear the word alpha, what comes to mind? Is it a lone wolf who goes his own way? Or maybe it's a powerful leader who bulldozes over the competition. Well, what if we told you that true alphas aren't lone wolves intent on tearing people down? They're actually dominant leaders who never back down from the challenge of improving the lives of everyone around them. As part of the Alpha Pack, we believe that no leader should be on their own. They need a pack of people keeping them accountable, challenging them, and encouraging them to be the best that they can possibly be. Join us as we hear incredible stories from industry leaders about how to become an alpha that will settle for nothing less than making the world better than the way they found it. Are you ready to learn what it takes to become a true alpha? Then pull up a chair, because you have a seat at the table as part of the pack. This is the Alpha Pack Podcast. So I was talking with one of our listeners uh, not that long ago, and in that conversation, one of the things that kind of came up as we were talking about Alpha and Pack and how we work together and all that was just audacity and how fundamental the trait of audacity is for being an alpha. And we've mentioned it multiple times in our conversations. It's not like this is the first time we brought it up, but it occurred to me as I was trying to unpack for him, like, what do I mean by that, right? It can, what audacity versus arrogance? Where does it come from? Is it that big of a deal? Is it just like, I mean, some people are at eight, but you can be kind of alpha without it and all that. And the more I, I just gave a very short answer to him and I was like, we've not really processed this as a group. And so I wanted to capture your guys' thoughts on that. But I'll just begin by saying, I don't think it's bonus or an accelerator. I think it's like a necessary fundamental trait for what we define as alpha. You can't do it without audacity, right? The the audacity to say, who says that's the boundary? Um, the audacity to, to try bigger things or to go off trail. And, and I think without that, you may be successful. This might be more like the, when we talked about kind of the sheepdog or kind of husky, like high powered, successful, but I don't think you do the kind of off trail stuff we're talking about unless you have some underlying audacity to try things that intimidate other people. I don't know. What do you guys think? Is it that important to you? If so, how would you define it? Where Where do you see audacity in this? I think I agree with you. I think I think it's fairly core to what we're trying to describe here. I think it can get sideways really quickly and um and and get off the rails and create a big mess, which I think many of us have have experienced earlier in life, right? Where where you don't quite know how to handle that audacious question in your mind. And I know for me personally, I've oftentimes handled that poorly and and, and made some messes there. But I I think the first thing that comes to my mind is, is that the the whole concept of I of audacity is very relative to mm. your context. Like wh- what is audacious? Well, it depends on what you define as normal. In a family where everyone went to an Ivy League school, thinking you can go to an Ivy League school is not audacious. That's an expectation. Um, but if you're from you know nowhere, West Virginia, and I happen to I happen to know a guy who is from nowhere, West Virginia, who went to Harvard, right? Like that was an audacious thing for him. Because of where he, because of the context he came from, and so I, 
I think one of the perhaps the first wrinkle I would want to explore is how have you demonstrated audacity relative to the expectations you came from? Okay, briefly, this is important because audacity doesn't. I think I skew the definition of audacity in my head to like how how world class can I be? And I think John Daniel, you nailed it. Audacity is saying I'm not going to do what my context expects of me. So the Ivy League kid. His audacious move might be to say, I'm not going to college, right? Like that, what? Well, do that. Where the other kids, I am going to college is audacious. It's not the activity that makes it audacious. It's the bucking of the convention of the expectations around you and saying, I'm not going to do this the way everyone else is telling me it has to be done. Well, and so what I would say is it's also, I would say there's there's kind of two sides to it. Number one, I say from an alpha perspective, audaciousness is a little bit of ticket to the dance. In the sense that, like, to even get into the conversation, people will be like, hey, I want to be part of this thing. It's like, what are your bona fides? Like, why should you be in this? So it's the almost the ticket to even be able to get in. But it's the thing that keeps you in, in the sense that it's the ticket in. But if you get into an alpha conversation or alpha community or alpha pursuit, and then you get complacent, satisfied, it's almost like the ticket that you have to keep refreshing. It's the it's the invitation that runs out. And so you have to, and I think it's one of those things, I think this is, we've probably touched on elements of this in previous conversations, but I think you can be disciplined about it and you can manufacture it like, you know, like a good physical routine or whatever else. But in some ways, I think it's more inherently part of your nature in the sense that if you have to manufacture audaciousness, it's going to be a harder road because you're going to work up, you're going to find a topic, you're going to find a means to be able to get into the party. And then you're gonna be like, yes, I'm in, I'm comfortable. It's like, that's not the way audaciousness works to some extent. Audaciousness is always dissatisfied, is always looking a little bit like it always like sooner or later you go like, I've eaten the same thing for a long time. Is it, isn't there something more? And it doesn't necessarily mean having to continue to graduate because I think there is a, there's a capitalism, you know, rat race climbing the ladder element. It's not necessarily you need to keep going to the next rung and competing in someone else's game per se. But I think it's a, if you've been winning at a certain thing for a long time, you go like, yeah, I've been winning at this for a long time. Is there another element where I could shake this up? Is there another room? Is there another element I could add to this? And I think that is the driving sense of what we talk about when we talk about audaciousness. It's like people would say like, hey, you've got it. You've got it great. Why would you mess with that? And you're like, why wouldn't you mess with that? Because like, why, why would you stop? I really think that's true in some level. And I mean, really a fascinating conversation, but I think two things. I think one, at least from, I think, our experience, maybe my personal experience conversations, I find that I'm it like I'm not having to manufacture audacity a lot of the times. If anything, it's trying to like limit it or govern it, right? And and so that you're not letting it go crazy. Like I, I think maybe that's just natural to some extent, but I think the other side is like it's a... I don't know that I would say completely in, in the in this 
exact way, but it, it, there's a sense of identity that's in that where like, no matter what climate you're maybe in, it's your, you just naturally are going to challenge the boundaries. And I think there's a lot of times where I have found myself like maybe couldn't see the next step, but I'm always pushing to be like, okay, I'm, I'm in this network or I'm in this group or I've been, you know, maybe I've been audacious to get there, but then it's like, it's audacious to kind of be the top performer in that group. Right. And then, Oh, I've arrived to maybe the top performance of this. Where's the next, you know, rendition of growth. So I don't know that I would completely put it on the identity level, but I would say that's fairly core to a lot of alphas that I interact with. It's like, this is just sort of an innate part of the way I look at the world. Could we give some examples? Because I think this is pretty theoretical and I'd love to maybe give a couple of examples of like, what does audacious look like? Or what does audacity look like in your life? Yeah. Let me, let me take it a step more specific than just your life. Let me back up and go history. Cause because society is not what uh, rewards this, right? Society is not ranged to promote and develop audacity. Um, I don't know, maybe mm-hmm. it's just me, but like my childhood was me getting slapped and punched and shamed for for the audacity. Like, who do you think you are? Why do you think in this? What do you do? Asking the questions you're not supposed to ask. So, so here's why. Like, if that's true, like, where did it start happening for you? Where did you start? trying to be audacious, how in the world did you come up, like protect this or, or, or continue doing this in the face of a school system and culture that's not promoting it, right? Like where, when you're thinking back about your childhood and the emergence of this as a trait for you, give us examples. Or, or, or for those of us who didn't, it didn't emerge in childhood. Or Jonathan, maybe, yes. In essence, you did give up this, not go there, and kind of go with the flow in childhood. Um, so where did it emerge? So I'll go first. I got a couple of stories. One, I feel like for me, sports and athletics were kind of an opportunity to explore this that was, in a sense, out of the, outside of the rules, right? At school, there were there were rules. You follow the rules. You get the grades. You don't. You don't. And sports was one of the places that I found where somebody's like, this can't be done, right? Like, you can't make a shot from half court. Uh, and I was like, watch me. Like, I, I like my odds. Um, and so that kind of competitiveness for me, that was one of the places that I saw that come out was kind of in that athletic spaces. I have a question about that, Daniel. Was yeah. it was it just in the sense of art? you know, kind of the alpha pack idea. Was that pushed from other people around you or was it all self-promoted? Like, was it me? Mm-hmm. I was, I wasn't friends with Daniel in, you know, high school or in college, but if I would have been, I probably Be would have been the guy. Because he was a jackass and you were not <laughs> That's like fair. That's fair. But <laughs> he I, lived I, in I, my house <laughs> and he ruined my house culture. Yeah, as, well, as a young man. I don't know what this says about me, but I had a blast hanging out with that person. <laughs> There you go. I'm saying, but I think I would have probably been the guy that's like, hey, man, you can't make that shot from half court. No, and that's what Daniel and I did to each other. Correct. And I had, uh, you know, similar people, but I'm like, was that a big part of it for you? Or was it like, I'm going to try to make the shot at half court 
whether or not I get jabbed to do it or not. Just, All just right, so this 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 is super incriminating, but this is a true story. So eighth grade, we have like PE class, and it's a small class. I think there's 12, 13 kids in the class. And we were playing soccer and we played soccer a lot in the gym and we were picking teams. And I said something like a total jerk, uh, like, you should be on my team because I've never lost. And they're like, that's not true. And I was like, yeah, it is. Like, I haven't lost a game all year. And they're just like, there's no way that is true. And I was like, I promise you this is true. And they're just like, no. And I said, okay, how about this? I will put all the girls on my team. You take all of the guys and we will win. Um, And so it was like six on six. It was me and five girls against six guys. And we won 10 to one. (laughs) Solid. And they just just stopped arguing with me. Right. And so like it it was like that was internal. That was like, no, I haven't lost and I'm going to prove it to you. And they might have carried me off the field in a stretcher, but I didn't care because <laughs> because I won. And, and yeah, there is like, as I said at the beginning, that can get like it is a very slippery slope between audacious yeah. and all sorts of really bad words that I don't want to say. We're, we're um, going to come down to, to <laughs> where does it cross the line in a second? Yeah, but, but 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 I do think that one of the things. And it gets to the core of what we're even talking about in this podcast. I think we've all, based on our background or whatever, I think we've all experienced some form of audaciousness. And the very reason we are talking together, the very reason we do the things we do together, not only is to encourage each other and to accelerate each other, but there's a bit of holding each other in check. Like the Hmm. goal is not to go out and dominate and like rub people's faces in it. That is not, that is audacity gone bad. Yeah. Yeah. It It is to hold true and, and push to the limit of the gifts you've been given. And I think that is better done in community because, you know, it's the whole Richard Feynman, like, you know, everyone is, everyone is easy. Everyone is easy to fool you are the easiest, like you are easiest to fool yourself or some version of that. Let's get into that nobility stuff in a second. I want to hear a couple other fun stories because uh, Daniel's the only one who shared an audacity. Example. <clears throat> All right, I've got, I've got one more and then, I, and I'm done. <laughs> um, freshman year of high school, my chemistry teacher called me out in front of the whole class and said, Daniel does just enough work to get an A and no more. And I said, well, it's because you don't give A pluses. Like, if you gave an A plus, I would get a 99. But you don't. So why? what's the point of getting a better grade than a 92? Because a 92 is an A, and the A is the best grade you give. So why would I waste the effort to study hard enough to bump my grade from 92 to a 99 when it doesn't actually pay off? He didn't have an answer to that. <laughs> so I've got an example. So I've got a different take on this because even as we've done story or whatever else, I think what's interesting of this is, especially when you do it from a sports and academics perspective, I think audacity, especially for people who maybe are alpha or who 
for the sake of argument, are gifted with more innate traits. Look, education and athletics at some level in the beginning is really 80-20. You're aiming for the 80. You're trying to make sure that most of the class is able to keep up with the concepts. If you are advanced, you are bored. You are you are really waiting to be challenged. Yeah. And, and so what's interesting to that is, so, you know, relative to my story, it was interesting because, you know, I've done a fair amount of therapy this year. Woo, therapy. That's fun. Proud of you, man. Yeah, it's it's a everyone should try it. Uh, I don't know if it's worth the money, but I would say it is. Um, I came to I came to some of the alpha stuff later in life. And yet in therapy, they were talking and he was like and one of the questions they asked in therapy was like, did you find that you were more advanced as a young child? And I'm like, eh, I never kind of really had that thought. Well, actually, he said, did you hold other people who were as smart as you in derision? Like, did you consider them less than you? And I'm like, I never really had that feeling. And he's like, but but, but tell me about some of the stuff you did. And I never really talked about this, but I was like, one of the things I would do as a kid is I would literally go into a house of the people, like we were introduced to a new family. And I'd be like, where's your library? Where's your bookshelf? And I would go look at the bookshelves and inevitably I would end up saying, hey, can I borrow a couple books? And inevitably as an eight, nine, 10 year old, they were the books of the dad. And the therapist says like, the therapist guy was like, you realize that's not normal, right? And I'm like, but that was the only thing that was interesting to me. And he's like, right, but you get that's not normal. Right. So I think what's interesting is I don't think audacity has to, it can manifest itself in ways that have an outlet in young, in young people like sports, maybe like academics where you're in a gifted program, whatever. But I think audacity can even be a quiet audacity. Audacity, mm-hmm. audacity yeah, is more internal. The audacity to ask for the book on the shelf you really want, even though it's not a kid's book. Even yeah. if even if the audacity of that ask isn't readily apparent to you. And that's where, like, to some extent, you know, I think there's a audacity has a kind of nature-nurture conversation to some extent. I think there is an element of like inherently, and this is maybe challenging to the people who are listening to this. To some extent, if if this sounds alien to you, you can nurture this, but like it was one of those things where like I feel you know, gift, blessed, gifted, whatever else, like at an early age, even though I didn't know I was doing it unconscious to myself, I was already going like, I mean, he was like, so what kind of books are you reading? I'm like, well, you know, like Stephen King books, like eight, nine. He's like, did that scare you? I'm like, yeah, those were scary, but those are the only things interesting to me. He's like, that's weird, man. And I'm like, <laughs> is it? And he's like, yeah, yeah, that's well, weird. I think it's so hard to know what is normal or contextualized to you versus especially as a child, you know, around like, what am I always contextualized against? I mean, I think for me, I didn't, wasn't reading Stephen King books at at that age, but I I think I don't even like them now. So that's fair. But it, it, (laughs) at some point, I think there's still an audacity that, I mean, I think my mom would probably say, my dad would probably say like, we didn't know you differently. You know, like, I mean, I think that there's a part of that where, I mean, I can easily remember, you know, challenging teachers and not in a disrespectful way, but just in a way that says, 
just because you were there doesn't make that make sense to me. I want to understand it at a deeper level. So, I mean, whether that's questions about faith or conversations you were having with pastors or conversations you're having with teachers or, or coaches, I mean, you know, there's lots of sports that I played that was like, help me understand why this matters. You know, I mean, similar to, to Jonathan, I mean, there was, you know, I mean, I definitely remember as an eighth grader, seventh grader being like this play that we're about to run to win this game doesn't make sense. We should run this one. And, and having the audacity to say that in a huddle, again, not disrespectfully, but like, if we want to win, we should do this, you know? Well, and, <laughs> and um, I think what's audacious about that is, and it what's interesting is I think audacity hits certain people certain ways. I think you could respond to that audacity is like, this punk kid shouldn't be questioning me. But it's almost like, I'm not going to consider, I'm a coach, these are kids, I'm not going to consider anything they're saying. And I think people with audacity or people with an alpha drive are inherently not going to be asking the same questions that the mass populace would be asking. Therefore, when those questions are asked, they come out of left field. And in the sense that they're at times so alien, you're like, what? And just run your, just run, just run the, run the drill. Like, don't think about that. And it's like, but if that person actually took the time to go, wait a minute. Well, and I think, I think that's developed. I'd be interested to know your thought on that, but I think it's developed in a person. Like we, we, we could throw interchange the word arrogance, maybe in for that at times. But if you know that there's an ability, I think as this further developed for me, if you know there's an ability that for you to do something, it's not arrogant to say that I can do that, right? I mean, mm -hmm. I the example I was talking about was like in a championship, you know, basketball game in like seventh grade, you know, and we were like two points down, had like 20 seconds left, you know, and it was like, I'm the best shooter on this team. You know, and the coach is about to call this play for, you know, one of my friends, but I don't have confidence that he's going to make this. I have way <laughs> more confidence that I'm going to make this. What the heck are we doing? We shouldn't do this, you know, and, and in the huddle saying it. But then also that confidence is contagious in the in that huddle. It turns around to get yeah, Jay should take this shot. Right. I mean, we ended up like well, that's a cool story, but we, I made the shot. We won by one point. It was, yeah, this is awesome. Right. But and it had really nothing to do with like selfishness at that moment as much as I'm on a team and I really think this is the right decision. And I've applied over time enough confidence to have the audacity to say this. So I do think there's some level of work and effort, um, you know, and, and in some ways I would say I've always had to work past a little bit of talent as well. I think, you know, God has given me a level of talent, but I've also applied a lot of hard work and, and discipline to it. and so. I think that's something that I would interchange in that of like, I don't think that's pride or arrogance when it is, it's clearly possible or within the constraints of your abilities. Um, but I think it does take audacity to call it out. So I, I had a lot of examples where I would say, I think I'm really good. I mean, the Daniel Steer, like, I think I usually do outperform you. I think I better than you. And I have a lot, I mean, like we're talking couple hundred times in childhood where somebody, some friend or family member or teacher 
criticized me and was like, "You, it is arrogant for you to say that you're better than everyone else on this. And then I would push back, be like, but measure it. Like, look, is it arrogant for me to say I'm better at this if I am actually better at this than everyone else? Um, now, so here's, after a lot of processing, here's what I think it is. At the heart of audacity is a certain minimum amount of self-confidence. Mm-hmm. So for all of you in your stories, it's like there had to be some some sig some early wins, some some feedback of like this works. I mean, Jonathan, it's not like you you grabbed a grown-up book and then you like felt overwhelmed and couldn't keep up and like it was like, no, dude, I've read 10 of these already, right? Like I'm gonna ask for the 11th. I mean, of course I am. Jay, I I've made these shots, right? Daniel, like, dude, I'm not making this up. I did win all the other times. And I think those early successes create self-confidence, at least enough self-confidence that you believe, hey, maybe it's actually possible. Maybe I really can pull this off. Now, Jay, to your point, I don't think audacity has to mean arrogance, but here's the difference. I think if you're not self-confident, you don't have enough audacity to go to to attempt it or even conceive it. However, self-confidence is not arrogance, but it is. I mean, let's, let's be confession honest here. There were seasons in my life, more than moments, seasons, where I was like, no, I'm better at this than everyone else. Fact, right? Measurable fact. Therefore, this is where it got bad. Therefore, I'm a better person. Like, I'm a more valuable human being. I matter more. I'm superior because I can outperform people in this task or this arena. And that is the arrogance, right? This is so audacity, self-confidence. Arrogance is saying, okay, I'm better than you. Functionally, arrogance is saying, so now I have more value than you as a human being. Like I matter more. And that's where I think it breaks down because what I will say is I said all the, many times I, I'd be like, I think it would be a lie. Like, I think it would it could be a different problem for me to know that I'm good at this than to be like, no, no, I'm, I'm actually not that good at it. Like that might be socially more acceptable. And maybe what the society expects us all to do is like, no, no, I'm an idiot. No, no, me, I'm an idiot too. Like, oh, but what if I know I'm not an idiot, right? Like, am I, I actually would, would draw, I think that is another wrong is to falsely claim, no, no, I'm no good at this when you know you are. Well, I think also in the form of leadership, right? I mean, all of us are in leadership positions, have, have consulted the leaders. I mean, different, you know, run businesses, different CEOs, all that. That's a failure of leadership to not apply the best resources or solution to the problem. Yeah. And I think, you know, that it may be slightly different, you know, way of taking that of like, I, I don't, I really think that is others focused. I mean, right. I'm not, who knows if you played that scenario over that basketball game, if I didn't take the shot, the other guy might've made it too, no problem. But if he didn't, and I knew, I think I had a better plan and I didn't say anything. I think I actually like, have a worse experience and have provided a worse experience for the people relying on me than having the audacity to say, Hey, let's maybe at least entertain the thought of trying it this way. And I think that's a mate. I don't know that I was fully mature in seventh grade saying that, right? I think there was probably, probably not. I want to take this shot, but <laughs> yeah. I actually no, it's Jay. He probably was. <laughs> <laughs> but I, think, I think the other, the other side of that is like, I really truly had the best interest of all those connected to things that I cared about as well. And I think we can balance that of it's not just about me or doesn't make me better with 
this is the way the most people win or experience what they want. That is audacious in itself as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to summarize what you're saying. But like humility, air quotes, humility might be like, no, no, you take the shot. That would have actually been a disservice to your team. Exactly. When you actually know you've got capacity to to like own that is actually in its own way a service to the team. As long as it's not like, therefore, all of you are secondary to me because I'm the only shooter on this team, right? Like, and I think what I think what gets interesting about this to some extent, and I'm interested in y'all's thoughts on this. It strikes me as to some extent, I don't know if audacity would be a, a trait in and of itself or whether it is the culmination of skills able to be manifest in certain environments. But I think the thing about it is whether whichever one it is, I think that audacity is a muscle that many people don't, whether because they choose not to, or they don't have the ability to, they don't have the ability to flex said muscle. So immature audacity is barreling over bulldozing people saying, give me the rock, even if it's the right one. I think when audacity continues to grow, you start to get a nuance, a wisdom to it where you go, it starts to become, you know, uh, it starts to become something more nuanced where you go like, hey, when I deploy this audacity, I'm going to deploy it when it matters. But if the audacity is going to land flat within a group, or there's another person who is an alpha in this group where I don't necessarily need to deploy it from a from a you know spend of you know cachet or social cachet or whatever else. Like I don't need to spend it here. I think it's very similar to this thing. I think people say, like, do you have audacity or do you not? I'm like, actually, I think it's much more of a developed skill, developed muscle, whereas immature audacity just comes into a room and says, like, I'm gonna talk the loudest because I'm the best. It's like Mm, actually, a mature audacity says, could I dominate the room? Sure. Should I dominate the room? Maybe. Actually, but there are going to be times, and those are the times I'm going to wait for when I can be audacious, push the conversation, push the agenda, push the particular point to make an impact. So I, I'll I'll narrow the focus of the definition a little bit. I think I agree with what you're saying, but I I would say audacity, the way we're talking about it, is more of the, the concept or the openness to what I could do. Jonathan, then there's still a whole other discussion on wisdom of whether I should do it. But right. audacity is not doing it. You're not audacious if you try. You're audacious if you even consider the possibility seriously. Like, yeah, I, I could probably pull that off. I mean, could I could I go make that crazy jump? Yeah, probably. Should I? No, you know, maybe I'm not going to make that jump. But yeah, you know, I, I got the concept. I, the even considering of it, I think, is where we're talking now. I, and it's a whole other can of worms to talk about. What do you do with that concept? How do you execute it wisely? What does restraint look like? But, but I'm telling you, Jonathan, we've talked about this and your epic family trips, right? When I think audacity, it's it's like pre the trip, like pull, how you guys go for like a month in the summer and go to these international places and cool stuff. And yeah. how many people have come to you and been like, oh, I wish I could do that. And you're like, you can't. Actually, I'm I'm going to put words in your mouth. Uh, you're like, I'm, I'm responsible. I, I'm a skin flint <clears throat> and I do it on super cheap and make my kids sleep in closets. Non <laughs> He's like, excited. it's the best. <laughs> He's like, you can do it whether you have a pile of money or not. Right. And then, but here's the deal. Then what's many of their response to you? They're like, I would love to, but. 
And you're like, no, no, you can't. And they're like, well, 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 that's what I'm talking about. The audacity is the people who are like, maybe I could. Like they won't even consider the idea that it's possible. That's the breakdown in audacity. Now, whether they should actually do it or not, and the tactics of going on that trip with their family is a different conversation. This is the, am I even seriously open to that in my mind? Now, I, I will say this. To your point, though, Jonathan, about about developing it, I will say as a father, I am very deliberately trying to cultivate this in my kids. Um, And so I don't know if any of you are playing with this yet, but even at a young age, like I'm with them in places and I'm like, hey, hey, we should. Why why not? Like, why don't we just move that over? Like, who says we can't do this? And (laughs) I have to confess, my wife, uh, sweetie, if you're listening to this, so sorry. It's not sorry. Um, But she's like, we can't do Scott. You can't do that. And I'm like. I mean, it's not a a law. Sure. We're in a restaurant. Like, I mean, their tables aren't together. Like, oh, we'll just, we'll just move the tables. Like you can't, you can't just take their tables and move them. I'm like, well, well, like it's not illegal. We're just going to move tables. And if they don't like it, they can tell us to move them back. Um, Like you can't go back behind that. Like you can't go over there. I'm like, well, I don't know. There's no no trespassing sign. We're just going to walk over there. And so what I'm trying to do is model it for my kids, like do audacious things. But more importantly, I'm trying to invite them to like, well, what do you want to do? Why not? I I will finish my little kid rant. I'm curious if you guys are doing this with your kids at all. Um, one of my favorite examples that, that I try to do with my kids too, but I, John Eldridge, he writes this book about we, lots of great stuff, but one about what it means to be a man wild at heart and all that. And I remember the moment he was talking to his son and how little boys have these dreams of adventure. And he's like, when they're young, you you don't kill their dreams and heart by being practical. He's like, my son, he's like, I remember asking my, he was like five or six or something. And he's like, what do you want to be? And he's like, dad, when I grow up, I want to be a cowboy, right? And this, by the way, this guy's modern. Like he's, he's still alive today. Like cowboy is not a major life choice or career viable option. Most of us would wish for our sons these days, right? And instead though, he said in the moment, I what I heard was his heart and he said, Okay, I'll help you do it. And I the audacity that that creates. It's less about like, son, my dream for you is to be a cowboy. Like I I kind of hope he doesn't, but <laughs> but he wants to be wild and adventurous and roam the countryside and I'm like so my son says, "I dad, I want to be I want to be a famous YouTuber." My one of my son did my son did actually tell me that. And I'll be honest, part of my brain's like, do you know the odds of how many people are trying to be on YouTube? And is this really going to be life satisfying? And you're brilliant. Are you going to be bored doing YouTube videos? And all that ran through my head. And then I remembered Eldridge and I'm like, okay, then I'll help you make it happen, buddy. We can do that. Because what I'm trying to deliberately cultivate is I I honestly expect, maybe I'll be wrong, Evan, apologize. Maybe someday you'll throw this back in my face, but I'm like, I think he'll change his mind. He's 11. By the time he gets older, I think he'll find other things more interesting than YouTubing. But I want him to have that concept in his head, if possible. So I don't know how you have cultivated yourself. Are you cultivating it in your kids? To Jonathan's point, if if it's developable or a muscle that we can strengthen, how do you strengthen this? I think it is way more caught than taught. Like Mm -hmm. I I really do. And I'm Mm -hmm. even thinking back to, you know, just some, I think some of the people and experiences you're around, I think there's definitely people more predispositioned that way. But, you know, I think that I'm trying to do it in those ways of like, I'm trying to do it. You know, I think that, I think that one of the things we talk about too much as parents is like, I'm trying to, to, 
teach my kids how to do this. And it's, it's like, look, if you want to be a world changing, you want to raise world changing kids, just be a world changing person. Like that's one of the best ways to do it. Right. And so mm-hmm. I think, you know, similar to you, Scott, on small things, not, not things that are going to be corruptive or morally wrong or anything like that. But there are certain things that, you know, around the edges aren't going to hurt anybody, but can create frameworks of, you know, what our kids have to give an end of the year speech. And we, they go to an amazing, like classical school, very buttoned up. I mean, you know, uniforms, I mean, it's, it's polished. And I was like, y'all should do a rap for the end of the, end of the, th-. and they're like, we can't do that. You know, I mean, and I'm like, who said you can't, there's not a rule that says you can't do that. You would be the talk of the entire school. Like it would be awesome. You should do that. And, <laughs> and it just planting that seed yep. and also kind of back to your point, like I'll help you write it. Right. And I'm maybe not the best person to write raps, but I'll get chat GPT to help me and it'll be awesome. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> so um, anyway, I'm just saying, I think that the planting the seeds and trying to do some of that stuff. And, and I think especially with boys, I think that the world tries to tame them so much that, you know, it is a core part of my strategy to have them on dirt bikes and jet skis and, you know, riding motorized vehicles and jumping off things that they could get hurt. But like you also recover quickly as a young guy. So it's like, hey, you know, like not life threatening, but just trying to sow the seeds that really before you get to a place where you can hurt yourself, letting you experiment with this audacity and probably figure out how to develop a little maturity into it as well. So yeah, just, just for context, because I, I think I know the answer here, but Jay, how old was your youngest when you, well, not your youngest, but your boy now, how old was he when you got him his first like motorbike? I mean, little training wheels on his, but like a engine. Four. I mean, like I, he got it. He was about to turn four. So he's three. I was to say he wasn't even four yet, and you yeah. got him a motorbike. Yeah, this I mean he was. And, 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 I, mean, I don't think James. Ever. Yeah, I don't think James is going to be. You know, maybe he'll decide to be a, a motocross athlete or something like that. But even just the confidence that builds that I can get on this, crank it up, know how to do it. I mean, at four, he was doing. He's standing up on it, riding it, and doing Supermans. You know, and so at some point, it's like you're you're. And again, there's safety measures you can take in some of that stuff, but it's just the audacity to kind of say, that's something you'd like to try. I'll try to help you do it in a way that's not going to destroy you. Right. And I think that's the part around, you know, parenting maybe that we try to do it with. But in the same case, in the companies that we run, I try to do that with leaders. Why not? Why can't we do it? I, I think the thing that I do, like, and I would, you know, definitely add to what he's saying. I, for us, it's a, I think it's twofold um, because again, I'm the one coming to alpha probably the latest in life. So I have more empathy and sympathy for people who may develop this later. So in some ways I'm just trying to plant seeds. So to some extent, I do the same thing that I did to the folks that I have at my work in the sense that when they say that can't be done, I'm, I'm I just pretty regularly say like, who says like, I'm not saying that it can be, but I'm saying don't don't accept that can't be done by default. At least have the curiosity to say, 
really. But the other thing I think that's super important, and the primary way we do this is through traveling, is we go do things that run against the grain of things. And I take a lot of attention when people say, you shouldn't do that. And I wink at my kids. I'm like, did you hear what that person just said? That person just said, we can't go do the thing we're about to do. And so in some extent, I like to almost engage those people, be like, tell me why I can't. Oh my gosh, you're going to be, it's going to be so terrible. And then I looked at my kids, I'm like, you hear what, you hear what they're saying? Those people are going to live a lesser life than we are. And we're not going to talk about it. We're going to go do it. Hmm. And then you're going to come back for it. And they're going to be like, that was amazing. And you're like, correct. You have gone and experienced the thing that a lot of people said you can't do. And not only can we, we went and did it. And since you were in the process of living it with me, what did you learn from that experience that those people do not have access to? Those people are not going to have access to these thoughts, these experiences. And not just like, oh, the mountain's pretty. It's like, holy cow, I never thought that you couldn't say this. I'm just taking Japanese because we're about to go to Japan. I didn't know that it was rude to say it in this way. Whoa, well, I'll never forget when the person kindly said X to me, but it may it changed my mental framework on things. And then when we come back, we're gonna the people are gonna say, How was the trip? And we're gonna be like, it was good. And I'm gonna have a small moment with my kids. We're gonna be like, and I'm going to be like, listen, kids, we're going to go across. I'm like, you can try to explain it to these kids, these people. They're not going to get it because they won't go where we've gone. So next time someone says to you, you can't do that, or I can't do that, or that's not possible. I want you to remember when, when people said we can't do these things, we went and did them. And then I want you to remember the experiences and lessons that we learned out there in places that people said we could not go and how richer your experience is for having gone beyond, not like, not, you know, not immaturely, not dangerously. It's not like, hey, go, you know, go do heroin. Like, don't do that. But remember the people who said you couldn't. And then remember what you experienced outside of the land of you can't and then take that as ammo encouragement to try your own sense of audacity to continue that that discipline to some extent awesome you've been listening to the alpha pack podcast to learn more about how you can implement the strategies and insight discussed in today's episode make sure to check out the show notes page and follow the pack on www.alphapackcommunity.com. Until next time, we hope you settle for nothing less than making the world better than the way you found it. Stay Alpha. Alpha.